you know, we've talked a lot about this in between media this season. There's going to be curveballs coming your way. Hate's a strong word. I dislike Kirk Cousins more than probably any other quarterback. I get a little bit of that rookie-itis, you know? I would have said, I would love some of what you're saying. Even though I'm straight, I'm still stuck between an interpretation, what it all means. Can I make a difference for something different? My mind in prison, then I saw the vision. Played the field, it's no competition. Found success through the repetition. If it's impossible, stick to the mission. I'm just cruising through on my way to get it. I found myself somewhere in between. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. Welcome in, everyone. It's week six of the NFL season. It's October 12th already. This is the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast, your spot for both some feel-good lifestyle advice and some fantasy football advice as well. Guys, we are here today thanks to some DayQuil, some ibuprofen, some of Katie's homemade ramen soup. Um, Nate, Scott, my fearless guys, how are you doing tonight? How are you feeling? I'm good, man. Um it's another rainy, stormy, stormy night in Seattle. Which I, this time of year, I just love it. I love being kind of hunkered down inside with it raining outside, leaves changing color, falling, football. It's just one of my favorite times of the year. So, and luckily, I'm not on any kind of Dayquil or ibuprofen okay. regimen at the moment. Um, <laughs> I got really sick when I was really young, and I don't know what that did, but I just don't get sick. I never get sick, which. Iron Man, we got an Iron Man down there. Yeah, right. You know, Jen and I were the same way until we had a kid, and then it was like every time he came home with something, we well, caught it. That's the thing is, like, we have two kids, and and they all, you know, always come home. And these days, when they come home with a sniffle, it's off to the rapid COVID test station. Right. But um, I just I I dodge it. I don't know how. I don't know why. I, I will say in my experience in being sick, they've made the COVID testing a lot better recently than it was, you know, last March or so. I remember getting one that they really jammed it up in there. And now it's more just like a, a you know. They have us, we do it ourselves now at the testing station near our house. They have us do it ourselves. Okay. Um, okay. Which is interesting because I'm not willing, I'm not willing to go very far. Yeah. Well, it's funny when we had to take our COVID test to come home from Mexico <clears throat> to get back into the United States. They're like, this is a much easier test. We don't go that far up your nose. It's easy. And then the dude shoves the thing up my nose. And I'm like, <laughs> yep. I thought I was going to die for a yep. second. So, Got yeah, it. so fun. Well, guys, I- I'm happy we're here. We are still breathing. Um, so it's a good day for me. Um, tonight on the show, we got a packed one. We're going to break down the latest news, uh, talk about some studs and duds, um, matchup management, how we're feeling about playing these guys heading into week six here. Um, we're going to break down the latest news, some injury stuff, some breakouts, headline hijink style, short thing sleepers of the week as well as always. And yes, guys, we are going to talk about the John Gruden situation. 
what that kind of means for the Raiders and fantasy football moving forward. We'll discuss that towards the end of the show. Nate, Scott, week six is here, baby. Um, really decisive time in the season. So I think we, we might as well jump into it. <laughs> Guys, when is Cam Newton going to land somewhere? I don't know, man. He I'm not sure. He might be like Canadian football or like fan-controlled football bound eventually. I, I, I XFL, I mean, if that ever comes back. Russell oh. Wilson's the Russell Wilson's the, the latest injury, so they're that the talks sparked immediately after that. I'll bring Cam Newton to Seattle. As a Seahawks fan, I no, thank you. I have, I have nothing against Cam Newton. Um, but I don't think that would be any better at this point than Geno Smith. So just a quick question, though. Sure. They, brought, they brought in Blake Bortles for a workout today. How do you feel about that? Cam Newton or Blake Bortles? Uh, oh, oh. Wow, that caught me off guard. I did not realize that Blake Bortles had come in for a visit. I mean, I, I, if, I had to, if I had to choose between one of those two at this point, I'd probably choose Cam Newton. He's at least played recently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Bortles has a cool house and everything, but like Cam's played recently. Fair. Guys, talking about a, a Russian di- dynamic quarterback, let's talk about Lamar Jackson in this wild Monday night football game. If you guys had any of these Ravens players, whether it was Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, Lamar, you're probably like me. You're sitting there halfway through the third quarter. Hollywood didn't have a reception yet. Mark Andrews had you know uh, 10 points or so, and Lamar Jackson was still in single digits, fumbled, went down to I think it was like seven points. Um mm-hmm. They, they come all the way back, guys. It, it was just a, a truly insane game, probably one of the best of the season so far. My headline for this game and what we witnessed on Monday night is Buck Wild in Baltimore because it, it really was Buck Wild. Uh, I know I had some friends there who just said the atmosphere was awesome. Super happy to see that. Lamar, guys, he goes for uh, – completes 37 of his 42 passes, goes for 442 yards and uh, four touchdowns. Adds another 62 on the ground for Mark Andrews, guys. 11, uh, 114 or 147 yards, two touchdowns. And Hollywood Brown, all in the second half, man. Nine receptions, 125 yards, two tutties for him. Um, guys, I want to start off asking what, what was your guys' just like not fantasy perspective, but just like fan perspective watching this last night? For me, it was just, I mean, so there's been a ton of the way I'm, the way I'm kind of looking at it. There's been a ton of injuries. We're all aware of that. But at the, on the flip side, if there's any kind of balancing going on by the fantasy gods out there, we have been blessed with some a lot of really really good football games. Mm-hmm. Um, just back and forth. I mean, Cleveland Cleveland Chargers game was insane. Um, the Packers Bengals game was insane for weird reasons. But man, that Monday night game was. I mean, and for it to be the Ravens to do that in the second half, it's just we're so used to the Ravens being this run-heavy team that, you know, if they get down in a shootout, that it's just over. But, I mean, it was a sight to behold, in my opinion. The Colts I mean, they basically blew that game. But credit where credit's due. I mean, Lamar, I think I saw the stat today. First quarterback in NFL history with, a certain amount of passing yards, a certain amount of pass attempts, and being above 80% completion percentage. First one ever. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. There it is. 
yeah, was over 400 Brad. yards in 40 attempts, I think. It's what it was. Black Brad. That's Nate, what he does. Yeah, I know. Nate, what was your takeaway from this, man, just like from a fan perspective? So, as most of you know, um, if you're watching the show, we were in a family reunion in Ohio over the weekend, and our travel home day was Sunday. So, I got to watch literally like no football all weekend. It wasn't possible. I caught about two minutes of the Bronco game as we were getting ready to go through security in Columbus. It's the first opportunity I had. So to get, and we didn't get to watch the first half of that game. And before we turned it on, Jen said, I don't know if I want to watch this game. It's been really boring. Then we looked at each other like, yeah, but these teams, it's going to be an exciting second half. And man, talk about if that's the only half of football I got to watch all weekend, what a half to get to watch. I think, And I think what, all of the people that said Lamar Jackson couldn't throw the ball, I hope that they're eating their crow today because we saw what he can do when he has to do it, and that was unbelievable. Lamar Jackson balled out. Like, should he be in the MVP conversation again? I think did, so. Did um, we just see? Absolutely, yes. And Hollywood Brown. Like, can we put can we put the worries about Marquise Brown being Hollywood to rest? He had an off year last season, but everybody did. It was a weird season. It was a weird year with COVID. Hollywood Brown looked phenomenal last night. He looked like a wide receiver one. He's looked that way all all season, guys. Um, We've had a lot of, you know, not up and down for Lamar. He's been pretty consistent across the board. He's right now QB three on the season. Marquise Brown, wide receiver five on the season. Mark Andrews in that top five discussion once again here. Where do you guys see the realistic expectations for the Ravens? Because my thought process, my biggest takeaway from this outing was that the Ravens are shifting who they are as a team right now. They don't have the running backs that they used to have. I mean, someone needs to get Latavius Murray off the field. I mean, every time they get they give him the ball, my soul dies just a little bit. Yes, I'm a Tyson Williams fan and a Lamar Jackson fantasy manager. But at the same time, it's so frustrating to see Latavius Murray run, you know, at, at most five yards into the offensive lineman and, and not go much farther. Um, right now, guys, they're averaging 30.4 rushing attempts per game. That's six in the NFL compared to the last two seasons where they were the number one team, averaging over 34, almost nearly 35 rushing attempts in 2019-2020. So, are you guys as bought in on the raving passing game as I am? Because I don't think this running back situation is getting sorted out. Like we're hearing trade rumors that one of these running backs could be on the move. I'm sold on the passing game. I was sold on it before. I didn't buy into the Lamar can't throw the ball hype, hype, whatever you want to call it, the narrative. But now that they actually have to do it and we've got Rashad Bateman coming back. And, yeah. So that I that offense only gets more dynamic in the passing game. I buy. I'm 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 all in on it. Yeah, I mean, I think it just shows. I mean, Harbaugh has, has they've adjusted as needed. Um, they had not one but two, you know, starting caliber running backs go down with injury. And add to, add to that, their defense has not been what it has been in years past either. No, you know, they've been they've been pretty good against wide receivers, but I mean, they've been terrible against running backs. So. You know, it's it's kind of a product of necessity because of a lack of depth and talent in the running back room, and they're just in higher scoring games. You know, the the ten to seven Steelers Ravens games of the past are 
you know, at least for this season, I don't think that's going to be the case. So, and I mean, they've just, they've adjusted as they need to. And Lamar has shown that he can. And I mean, for all the disappointment that we had that Rashad Bateman went there on draft night, I'm pretty excited he went there now. Yeah. 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 The pie is definitely bigger in Baltimore for sure. The defense has not lived up to what we've seen in the past from guys like Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphreys, Calais Campbell outside of blocking a couple kicks this season has not been himself. Still waiting for Patrick Queen to come on a little bit more. He's been solid on that defensive side, but Scott, I think you nailed it here, man. It's a bigger pie this year. They, they don't have the running backs and the defense just is not as good. So I think right now, if you have these Ravens players, you sit pretty. Maybe I try to trade Latavius Murray when I can, but that's just me. Um, good luck. <laughs> moving forward, guys, here, I, I did want to talk about an, another dynamic performance by a young quarterback, and that was Justin Herbert, guys, going over 40 fantasy points in four point per passing touchdown leagues. Um, him and the Chargers have looked exceptional this year. That They have a really nice gap now for that AFC West. Of course, with him going wild, it also continues Mike Williams going wild. Mike Williams right now, wide receiver two on the season. He's been up in that range since about, you know, week two after week one. Scott, I know you nailed him after week one as as one of those guys who could continue that pace. Um, I do want to go to you, Scott. What is your headline here for what, what we saw out of Herbert and the Chargers? It, mine is what it will always be when Justin Herbert goes off, and it's Herbie goes bananas based off an old movie series where there was this Volkswagen bug that was alive or something. Herbie the love bug. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't really remember the movie, but anytime Justin Herbert goes off, that's what pops into my mind. I tweeted out a picture of the movie poster yesterday. Um, I I love it. I, I, one of my closest friends grew up in San Diego and I, um, you know, early on chose to go ahead and start rooting for the chargers with him just because they didn't really ever do anything, and I didn't. I didn't see why not. You know, the Seahawks were no longer in the AFC West, so I've kind of rooted for the Chargers. Sorry, Nate, but um, and just to see Herbert, like, because coming into the season, I was really high on him, and there was still just this, like, well, this hesitation, you know, sophomore slump. Mm-hmm. But just with those weapons, with with a healthy Austin Eckler, I just saw it as a very potent offense, and. I mean, he delivered in a big way. Mike Williams, I mean, I think everybody got a little bit had a little bit scared during week four um, because Mike Williams had like four targets. But it was kind of a strange game. They didn't really need it. They jumped out to kind of a big lead. And honestly, the Raiders have been really good against wide receivers specifically. So that now we have, I think, enough of a sample size where in the past, um, a big blow-up game by Mike Williams might have been the outlier amongst a bunch of mediocrity. Now, I think that four-target game is the outlier because every other game, I mean, this game he had 16 targets. I mean, just ridiculous. Nate, I want to throw it over to you. A couple weeks ago on the show, we discussed between the three of us where we saw Mike Williams finishing for the season. I think we can all say we have Austin Eckler as a top five back the rest of the season. He's been phenomenal. Outside of Derrick Henry right now, I don't know who you want on your fantasy back or as your fantasy RB1. Talking Mike Williams here, obviously him and Keenan Allen, they're both top five in the NFL targets right now. So we know they're dynamic. We know they're going to be good. Um, But Williams seeing a a higher, you know, more valuable targets with those deep shots and they're connected. Where do you see 
both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen finishing finishing the season? So I think there's a chance Mike Williams finishes as a wide receiver one. Keenan Allen, probably a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three, just because of the quality of targets. If things continue as they are, I, I see a scenario where we see Keenan Allen as a high-end wide receiver two and Mike Williams as a high-end wide receiver one as well because Justin Herbert can sling the ball. And if you're going to consistently win that way without having to run Eckler a ton, you keep doing it. And if you get into some of these higher scoring games, like you know the Chiefs are going to rebound and the next time they play, that's going to be a shootout. These are games where Allen, Williams, and Eckler are all getting a ton of targets. So I, there's a range of outcomes. What I think is most likely is we have Williams as a low-end wide receiver one and Keenan Allen as like a midway, mid-range wide receiver to back-end range wide receiver two. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think what the difference is really, and it's been Keenan's kind of limitation his whole career is touchdowns. You know, he's yeah, always yeah. getting the targets. He's always getting the yards. That's kind of the type of receiver he is. You know, he's still been getting 10, averaging t- around 10 targets a game. You know, he had over 100 the first two, you know, six catches for 75 this week, just no touchdowns. So, I mean, I think he's still a very reliable PPR receiver. I just think his ceiling is even more capped now because of the emergence of Mike Williams. Um, so I agree with Nate. Um, you know, I, I'm a little bit, it's it's kind of bittersweet because I love seeing this happen for Mike Williams and all the people that kind of patiently stuck with him. It's hindered Keenan Allen. I mean, he has not been what was expected. I had Keenan Allen right at the end of the high-end wide receiver too, you know? So at least, at least for now, it has impacted Keenan Allen's production. I think right now Keenan Allen might be a, a buy low trade target, to be honest. I bet there's some managers out there who might think th- they don't have what they thought he, they had. He's wide receiver 28 right now in PPR, full point PPR format. So if, if I'm like, I don't know, I'm trying to trade up for him if I have someone else who's disappointed, even like a Robert Woods or um, a, 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 an Allen Robinson, you know, package that with a, a capable RB, get yourself a Keenan Allen. I think I might go out and try to make a trade like that. I got a couple of Allen Robinsons I need to get rid of. I think you're right because honestly, I mean, like I said, I mean, Keenan's been, he's been productive. He just has mm-hmm. the one touchdown. If he has, if he scores another touchdown right now, that wide receiver 28 jumps up. Yeah. We're maybe not as concerned. Like if, this early in the season, it still is dictated a lot by who scores the touchdowns. So I agree. I think if people are like, oh no, Keenan, he's a great by low target. Guys, I do want to move forward because it seems like we saw a wide receiver breakout, a rookie one of that notion this last week. It was Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony, after the injuries to Darius Slayton, obviously Sterling she- Sterling Shepard was out of this one as well. And we saw Kenny Galladay go, go down after just three targets. It was a Kadarius Tony show. Has over 30 PPR points, a headbutt on the sideline, a thrown punch. So a little bit of everything from Tony there. Right now, a lot of the mainstream media is, is putting Tony as maybe the number one waiver wire target of the week. I know he's already kind of picked up in a lot of my leagues, but Nate, what is your headline here for Kadarius Tony and what we saw on Sunday? Tony it down, folks. <laughs> Let's not get crazy here. There are a lot of now, I'm not saying in Dynasty, which we are not currently talking about, I'm holding Tony where I have him because his potential is through the roof. That said, in redraft, here's my issue. You were missing Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, and Kenny Galladay. And Saquon Barkley. 
So you're looking at an offense that was looking at Kadarius Tony, Evan Ingram, and Devontae Booker to carry the load of targets and carries. That's where the volume of that offense went. What happened when they did that? They got blown out by a, I mean, and to be fair, a really good Cowboys team, but they got blown out by 24 points. I like what I saw out of Tony. I think that he's going to be a star in this league, but this isn't a season where I'm going to spend a lot of fab or I'm not going to, or use a high waiver priority on him if I don't need a receiver. Because I don't think he can replicate this. Do I think we can see in the neighborhood where it's like eight targets, six catches, 70 to 80 yards? Maybe he snags a touchdown one week. Maybe he doesn't. Yes. So, Nate, it, it sounds like because there's kind of two different ways it can go here. Like, uh, well, there's a, there's multiple, but it comes to mind like some people I've heard the name Justin Jefferson being thrown out there today and, and what he did his rookie season. And I also have heard like what you kind of described almost sounded like a T. Higgins rookie season. Is that kind of what you're projecting as a T Higgins, like top 36 wide receiver? I could see that. There's just, a, the thing is for me is that there's a lot of competition for targets in that offense. Saquon, when he comes back is going to get targets. Darius Slayton is going to get targets. Sterling Shepard is definitely going to get targets because when he's been on the field, he's been electric. Kenny Galladay, when he's healthy, he's going to get targets. They spent money on him. <clears throat> so Evan I don't Ingram also. Well, yeah, I already, yeah, when I already talked about Evan Ingram, he yeah. was on the field with him. <clears throat> there are so many people in this offense that are going to get looks. It was great to see him explode this week with, and with the injuries, what he was able to do. I'm just saying that this season, that's not going to be his role. It was, a, he was a nice fill in. We saw some great stuff. Dallas's defense has been good. I wouldn't call them exceptional though. Uh, Bo will probably argue with me about that, but they've been good, but they're not all world. This was a great performance. Don't don't pick him up on the waiver wire expecting it to happen again or anything even remotely close. Not this season. Can I, can I go now? Yes, yeah, okay. all, all you okay. man. I I feel like uh, you have a little rebuttal coming. This this will be this will be this should be fun because I uh, I I do agree with the concerns and some of the factors that led to a 189 yard game for mm-hmm. a rookie, um, but. I'm, I, I guess maybe I've drank the Kool-Aid. First of all, I've never been more wrong about somebody as far as I was mocking the Giants on draft day for drafting him in the first round, like during all the rookie drafts. I was like, no way. Not really having done any homework, just kind of following the crowd a little bit. But for me, what I saw, and I've heard somebody, a few other people said this today. Yes, these other pass catchers are going to come back. But what Tony showed, it's almost like you can't unring that bell. Like, targets are very much earned. And I just think that he has made a huge statement, regardless of why, that, that he deserves and he can produce with targets. I think he is ahead of Darius Slayton when he comes back. I think he'll take work from him. Sterling Shepard will be Sterling Shepard. Evan Ingram can't stay healthy or catch the ball. Saquon also can't really seem to stay healthy. So yes, in a perfect world, when all of those players are back and healthy at the same time, yes, that I think caps Tony's upside for this season. But even even what you said, the eight targets, six catches, 70 to 80 yards, and maybe a touchdown here and there, that's what I want off waiver wires, to be honest. Like that's Fair enough. Yeah. At this point. So me personally, I'm take, you know, I, I see Tony like, you know, because you've got Tony, you've got Daryl Williams, you've got Devontae Booker, you've got these waiver wire 
options. I am, I am Tony all the way as my, and anybody in my league turn, push, turn it off. So you don't hear who I'm trying to go after on waivers, but I'm all over Tony. I'm spending fab on Tony. I'm, I'm not, I already picked up Damian Williams last week. I, I, I'm not super interested in another mediocre two week, three week running back rental. And if I'm wrong on Tony in his rookie year, fine. But I think it's worth the risk. He has, he, I mean, what he showed, I mean, people could not guard him. Like they just were not able to guard him. Um, and you know, the whole, he's a gadget guy, blah, blah, blah. Gadget guys don't get 13 targets regardless of what the situation is. So yeah, I'm, I'm much higher on him. Excited to see how it plays out, guys. Just real quickly, I just want to go around the room. If you were to pick one Giants pass catcher to have on your team, not not a running back, either a tight end or one of these four, four wide receivers, who would it be rest of the season? Nate? I'm probably still going to say Sterling Shepard. Scott? Kadarius Tony. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm going to go Sterling Shepard too, but I think, I think the gap's closing a little bit. Um, definitely want to see what it's going to be with Sterling Shepard back out on the field, guys. Um, Let's go ahead and move forward in the show here to a, a new segment on the show, Matchup Management. This week, Matchup Management is presented by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. If you guys haven't been playing Underdog Fantasy this season, I highly suggest you go over to Underdog Fantasy. Grab the app, whether it's the Google Play app, whether it's the iTunes app, whatever it is, go over there, download it. Guys, they have three-man, five-man drafts that you can be playing we've been having a lot of fun every Sunday on the DFS tailgate show. We do some pick and parlays. And if you hit one of these parlays, three, four, even five leg parlays, it can really, you know, really cash in. I saw a couple of people who played it for the first time this last week, hit a couple hundred big hundred dollars on a couple of big parlays. So guys, it's a lot of fun. It's really easy. Head over to underdog fantasy. If you're going to head over there, make sure you use our promo code IVT. And when you deposit $10, we'll give you $10 in credit. Thank you to our friends over there, Underdog. Let's go ahead and head into some matchup management. Who you got? Matchup management. Who's it going to be? All right, guys, so you know how this works. On a scale from 1 to 10, how excited are you to start this player in week six? I want to start out with Allen Robinson. Um, we talked a little bit about him earlier. Just been a huge disappointment for a guy you were getting in the third round. Um, I thought there was a safe floor. I thought he was quarterback proof. Pie on my face, Scott. I know you ranked him high as well. I think most of the community and the industry really did, so – um, right now, guys, he, he has not reached double digits in four out of his five games. The only time he did reach double digits, 10.4 points. Just not getting it done right now. Uh, honestly, he, ha- he had a red zone target this last weekend. I was happy to see that. But overall, it's been a disappointing year for Allen Robinson. And he's been a trap. You, you haven't found a big game when you can trade him if, if you're a fantasy manager of him. And if you have him, you're probably playing him every week, and he's just been burning you. Absolutely burning you guys this week. He's got Green Bay, their are 11th ranked defense against the fantasy wide receiver. Um, where are you guys on a scale from one to ten? How confident you are? I am this was a tough one. I put four, and that might be even a little bit optimistic as far as how confident I am. But like you said, I mean, he was, I had him ranked in the top 12. 
I also thought he was quarterback proof. And you're likely stuck with not many better options if you drafted him where he was going. So that's why it's a four. I mean, the thing is, though, it's like it'd be one thing if the Chicago passing game was flying up and down the field and A-Rob was just not a part of it. But it's been just a dumpster fire so far as far as their passing game. I mean, Allen Robinson, he has the only touchdown. Or Sorry, he has the most touchdowns for Bears wide receivers. One. There's been one touchdown thrown to a Bears wide receiver and one touchdown thrown to a Bears tight end. That's it. So it's been, it, the, the passing game has struggled as a whole, um, which wasn't super surprising starting the season off with Andy Dalton. Um, the reason I'm still obviously holding him, I mean, you, you don't drop Allen Robinson, but the reason I still have a glimmer of hope is just I expect Justin Fields to get better. Um, and I think when he gets better, I think everyone around him will, will as well. Because he's still a rookie, you know. It, it might have been unrealistic to expect him to just come in and light the world on fire right away as much as we all love Justin Fields and his potential. So not super excited against Green Bay, though. Yeah. Nate, Nate where are you? Scale scale 1 to 10, how confident are you? 1.5. I'm not starting him. I just don't see a reason to do it this week. I feel trapped in one league, so I may yeah. be starting him. But I would say I'm probably about – like last week I was maybe at a 4 this week after being burned by him four, four weeks in a row. I'm probably a 2. So we're weary – all right, guys, so n- next person here on our list of matchup management, Nate, how confident are you in Chase Claypool? Comes off another 24 PPR point performance. Right now he's wide receiver 19 on a points-per-game basis. Obviously, we unfortunately saw Juju Smith-Schuster, the talented wide receiver there in Pittsburgh, go down for the season, maybe his last in Pittsburgh. Right now that they have Seattle on the docket this week, ranked 26 to the wide receiver position, flooding a lot of points to that wide receiver position. Nate, how confident are you in Chase Claypool here in week six? I'm going to say nine. I like the matchup. I I mean, with Juju gone, um, Ben hasn't looked as awfully awful as of late as he did earlier in the season. Um, Denaji Harris, right? (laughs) You had to bring that up. Thanks, Seth. Um, To be fair, I have two Steelers jerseys, so I can't be that sad. Um, But I, I like the Claypool situation this week. The Najee Harris target train has cooled down a little bit. Um, and I think Claypool is going to factor into that offense pretty heavily, especially against a weaker Seattle defense that likes to give up points to the wide receiver in fantasy. Um, yeah, nine. I'm a, I'm a big fat 10 on this one. Um, the Seahawks secondary is a big, giant mess right now. Uh, Trey Flowers wasn't really that great anyway. Uh, asked to be released and got his wish. He was released. Um, so they basically have DJ Reed, who's been DJ Reed's been pretty good, pretty good. And Sidney Jones, who I love Sidney Jones. He's a former UW Husky, but um, he's been terrible. So um, you know that 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 deep ball they gave up to Deshaun Jackson last week on third and ten was just to totally change the game. Uh, was was just unacceptable. And I think the the safety help is going to rotate towards Deontay Johnson. I just, I see Claypool going off against the Seahawks team. Yeah. I, the price for Claypool might be questionably steep right now, but whatever it is, I'm probably trying to pay for it. If I can trade for him, I think right now, even Deontay Johnson, who I was calling a bust at the beginning of the season because of the pie. I mean, I think right now I'm in on him too. If I can acquire any one of these guys, 
I'm in on it. I, I think, you know, I'm a nine or a 10. If, if Claypool cannot get it done this week, I don't know when he can. So, so I'm, I think we're all high on Chase Claypool. Um, want to move forward here, guys. Miles Gaskin. How about Mr. Mr. Miles Gaskin, man? Um, the short thing or the short thing sleeper of the week, all 2020 long. I love that guy. Um, RB19 right now after a 10 for 74 and two stat line through the air. So 10 receptions for Miles Gaskin, two touchdowns, an awesome 30 or 40 yard uh, little flick over there from Brissett. That was really cool to see. Five for 25 on the ground. This this week he has Jacksonville. We know how bad Jacksonville has been against the run. Um, they just gave up another 130 burger to Derrick Henry, three tutties for him as well. Obviously, different caliber running back there. Um, but are you guys excited to play Miles Gaskin this week on a scale from one to ten? Keeping in mind that Dolphins could maybe get out to a lead and possibly want to work in more uh, Malcolm Brown or uh, uh, Salvin Ahmed. Did Malcolm, he didn't play this past week, did he? I believe he was active, yes. Oh, okay. I said six for Miles Gaskin. Um, if you asked me a week ago, it would have been lower because he just had not done anything um, really of note. But I think he, he showed he showed he still he still got the pass catching chops um, this past week, and Jacksonville is a good match. However, Jacksonville has been somewhat decent against pass catching running backs. They've been pretty atrocious against running backs, but they've been okay top fifteen against pass catchers. Um, and part of that's probably because the Titans didn't feel the need to throw it to their running backs; they just handed it to one of them. Yeah. Um, sure. So so yeah, I'm I'm you know it's kind of how I felt about about Miles Gaskin since the preseason, five or a six, kind of a meh. Gaskin's a guy though during Bionado week seven, you you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna roll out there. Well Scott, I guess we're not gonna agree on anything tonight. I'm at like a two. <clears throat> I'll start him if I have to this what? week because of the matchup, but I don't he hasn't been productive this season and one week doesn't make him worth much in my eyes. I need to see it a couple times and I don't think we're going to see it again. I think that was it. I think this Miami offense isn't great, especially with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. I don't think they really know what to do. I think they're lost without Tua, which doesn't make sense because we were talking about them trading for Deshaun Watson, but they feel lost to me. And this week was miles Gaskin week. Next week's probably not going to be Miles Gaskin week, maybe. But if I have someone else to roll out, I'm not. I'm not putting him ahead of most of the guys I have on my rosters. I think right now with four teams on by, I think I'm still sliding him in. I think I'm probably a seven. And and you guys know I'm a Gaskin truther, so definitely a little bias coming on my end. But I think the PPR floor is going to be there. Um, I I can't explain really what happened in week four. I don't understand how you only had those couple of touches. I, I, I can't explain that from an analysis standpoint, but I do still believe in Miles Gaskin. I think he's going to have that PPR floor. Jacksonville obviously gives him a higher ceiling. So I'm excited to see what he can do on the ground this week. Cause like Scott said, they haven't been, you know, super, super flooding points to the receiving backs, but more on the ground as we saw Sunday with Derrick Henry. So this could be a big game for Miles Gaskin to head in the right direction even more so if he can get it going on the ground as well. Guys, I want to move to just a pair of waiver wire running backs. Just want to quickly touch on them. Clyde Edwards Alaire obviously goes out of Sunday's game. Um, MCL sprain, you hate to see that. 
Um, we don't know the timetable quite yet. We're not actually sure if it is an MCL sprain either, but that's that's what the rumor is out there. Um, we should learn tomorrow for sure. But looks like Darrell Williams is going to be the guy. Um, this is a similar injury to what David Montgomery is dealing with as well. So about four to five weeks is probably what we're looking like with Clyde. We don't really know what his recovery speed is like as a pro. Um, it's going up against Washington this week, Darrell Williams. Um, I will say – the Washington football team, the defense, we've talked about it a lot. They're shelled themselves this year. Seven receiving TDs to opposing running backs in five games this year. Granted, three of those come to Cordell Patterson here in week four. But, you know, that, that that's still a handful of passing touchdowns going to the RB position. Um, Scott, where, where are you at on Daryl Williams here, man? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack on what I put into the show sheet a little bit. I put an eight, but I'm, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit down to a six. I think he's looked pretty solid in the work he's gotten, even with CEH in there. Um, and that, that allure that got everybody to draft CEH last year in the first round of a piece of this offense is there. And if Kadarius Tony was not available this week, Daryl Williams would be my, my number one waiver ad. Um, but to your point, Washington football team does on paper, when you look at the rankings, look like a really good matchup for running backs. But – Three of those touchdowns they gave up were to Cordero Patterson receiving touchdowns. So I know we can't really play the game. Well, if you take that away, this, but I mean, really, that was three touchdowns to a receiver really in that game. So I think they're a little bit more stout against the run than what the numbers show. Um, they're horrible against the pass. Absolutely god awful against the pass. So I see this as a, you know, a typical Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey type game. Um, Daryl Williams, I think my excitement for him would be, you know, garbage time. If they're, if they're way ahead, just feed him the ball. But I think Derek McKinnon's going to get involved too. So I am at about an eight. And I think I was pretty vocal about this, that heading into this season, I think I thought that Daryl Williams was a better running back than CEH anyway. And it was disappointing. I get it. They drafted him early. They wanted to use him. They want to see what they have. But I think Daryl Williams is the better running back. And with CEH out, I think we're going to get to see Kansas City actually be able to kind of mix up their attack and actually effectively run the ball a little bit better than they could with CEH. Just because I think Daryl Williams a is hundred yard games though, recently. I know, and it's not. Just, I'm not saying that he's trash. I just think Daryl Williams is a better running back, and I think he fits the scheme of that offense a little bit better than CEH does. I'm excited to see what he can do. If I had him, I would start him. I don't have him. <laughs> but if I did, I would start him this week. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm about an eight. I love it. I'm excited to see what he can do. Nate, are you spending up fab to get him? So I'm not in a position in any leagues to do that. I probably wouldn't because you really shouldn't have to. I wouldn't think. Uh, oh, he, he's going to be going, man. Gonna go like, you think? Yeah. He's probably going to 50% if the of for what he did, then the Chiefs starting running back is going to go for quite a bit more. Good point. No, probably not. I probably wouldn't go crazy for him. I'm excited to see what he can do, but I kind of I kind of wonder what the real true ceiling for any running back in that Chiefs system is mm -hmm. for the reasons that Scott said. I still think Daryl Williams is the better running back, but there's a ceiling for a running back in that offense. Nate's a stingy, st stingy mother after tonight. I'm not. I know. Nate's a stingy guy. Uh, I'm stingy all the time. 
Remind, remind me not to take you out to dinner. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, guys, D Devonta Booker, uh, he's another player right now. Um, we, we've seen him throughout the career. Nate wrote a column on him earlier tonight and, and kind of talked about it. seems like every couple of years, for the last five or six years, we've been talking about Booker and he emerges as a waiver wire guy halfway through the years. I can literally remember picking him up uh, using a waiver claim my freshman year of college. I'm two years removed from college now. So that, that tells that you how long. Year. Yeah, that, that, that's how long Booker's been around. He's kind of been a factor in the fantasy scene for a while. Obviously, Saquon Barkley, just unlucky, gets rolled up on by a player here. Nasty ankle injury. We kind of saw that, how big that bulge was, how bad that was swollen up on Sunday on the broadcast. It was kind of gross. They showed that, honestly. But they really wanted to make it clear that he was not coming back in the game. Obviously, he gets the Rams this week, guys. He went over 20 points last week in Saquon's absence. The Rams, they, they're a great defense. We know what they are on paper. They're Aaron Donald up front. You can't really run to his side of the line. Jalen Ramsey is a great, great cornerback in the secondary as well. They're they're about middle of the road to running back, so they're, they're not a stout defense to, to RBs at, by any means. Scott, where, where are you at on Booker, man? Are you throwing him out there? Um, if I have to, I, I have him at a five, kind of the cop-out middle ground response. There, to me, there's not really much exciting about Booker except volume, um, and which, I mean, you can't ignore it. You know, he's going he's gonna to step into that starting role. But I mean, that offense has been, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily, I'm not sure exactly where everybody stands injury wise at this point, who's going to be, who's going to be there, who's going to not this coming week. But, you know, in a pinch, I'll, I'll throw them into my flex. I mean, the, the problem is, is that with so many running back injuries, like some people, you know, a, a player like Devontae Booker sitting there is like, oh yeah, definitely. I want to put them in so I don't have to start, you know, Alan Chris Evans or somebody like that. And I mean, we are a little bit lucky because there's four teams on by this week, but it's not chock full of fantasy stars. I mean, we've got the we've got the Niners, we've got the Saints, we've got the Jets, and we've got the Falcons. So you know, you've got some players missing. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm just I'm it's not very excited. Like if I guess he's probably got a he, he's got a pretty safe floor, um, but there's just not really any ceiling with him. So okay. Nate, are you around that area too, you'd say? Yeah, I'm at a five. Um, yes. I've been burned by Devontae Booker so many times in my life, not just as a fantasy player, but as a fan yeah. of the Broncos. Yeah. Um, I love that he gets the opportunity. And if you're looking for a, a medium floor, low ceiling running back just to fill a void next week, I don't mind it. But like I said about Kadarius Tony, keep in mind, the part of the reason that Booker got that volume was one because obviously Ster or obviously because Saquon Barkley was out, but also no Sterling Shepard, no Darius Slayton. So they needed to get the ball out somewhere. He was a part of that offense. They didn't have a whole lot of other options for Daniel Jones until Jones went down, of course. Play him next week. He'll he'll maybe get you 10, 12, 13 points. Maybe he'll explode and have another 20-point game, which I find unlikely. He's done it three times in six seasons in his career with plenty of opportunity to do it. So yeah, I'm like a five. I'm not super excited about it. I don't hate it this week. Yeah. Long term, I don't like it at all. He's not a guy I want on my roster pass next week. I want I do want to add real quick when we're talking about Daryl Williams and Devontae Booker. We've kind of been talking about how we feel about throwing him out there this week. But do keep in mind that while the buys are not that detrimental this week, week seven is 
by insanity. There's six teams on by, and not only are there six teams, but you've got Dallas, Buffalo. I tweeted out a list of the players that are going to be out. It's crazy. So even if you aren't going to start Daryl Williams or Devontae Booker, both of them are likely going to be playing in week seven as well as the starter on the injuries to the people in front of them. So be looking at week seven now. Yes. Yeah, I, I, agree, I agree with that, guys. And, and one thing just keep in mind, I'll, I'll round out the conversation. Wayne Gallman last year was very productive with the same, you know, different style Gi- the Giants team, but he was productive. Um, he, he was an RB1 for about a month stretch there. So I, I think Wayne Gallman is a better running back than, than Booker for sure. Um, but something to keep in mind out there when you're spending your fab tonight. Um, guys, I do want to head into our next segment, short things, sleepers of the week. Yes, it's cold and flu season, but I still got that beach vibe in me, baby. Um, and it is presented presented this week by Stevens Quality Barbering Services. That's our guy Noah Stevens up there in Kerwinsville, PA. Um, whether you live in Jefferson County, Clearfield County, Indiana County, Center County, McKean County, any of your uh, Western Central Pennsylvania counties, if you guys want a quality haircut at a quality price um, and just have an overall quality experience, guys, Head over down to Noah on State Street in Kerwinsville. You can go to stevens-quality.genbook.com to book an appointment today. He'll get you hooked up right, guys. Always hooks me up right. I have a hat on tonight so you can't see the uh, finished product, but I, I promise you it's looking nice under there. It's looking nice. Um, let's go ahead and head into uh, Sure Things Sleepers of the Week. It's the Sure thing. Sleepers of the Week. Okay. Here we go, guys. Um, Scott, I want to throw it to you, man. Um, Shore thing, Sleeper of the Week. I don't know if you've been to the beach out there, the shore line out in Seattle lately, but it seems nice. I just saw a video on Twitter uh, about someone who has a nice lake house. They're Dr. Kevin Murray. He had had a nice draft out on his lake house there. It looks quaint. I want to go there. I want to be on that shore. Yeah, I'm in a I'm in a Pacific Northwest uh, group chat with with Dr. Kevin. He's talking about potentially doing a draft next year in this in these in these parts. I'd be stoked. No, I mean I I think I've talked about it. The beaches here are different, um, but there's tons of shoreline because Puget Sound is a weird shaped mm-hmm. group of islands and peninsulas and waterways. Not too unlike Chesapeake Bay a little bit. Anyway, um, and I was out on the beach about a week and a half ago, and it's cold. But I still got the beach vibe. I got the beach vibe all, all, all season long. So my, my short thing sleeper of the week is a Detroit Lion. So I'm already setting myself up for trouble. But it's Amon, it's Amon Rice St. St. Brown. Ah, that was hard to get out. Uh, St. Brown with the, with the Lions. You know, kind of a, a somewhat highly talented rookie out of USC and – um, eight targets the last two games. He just all of a sudden started getting the volume. His snap percentage went up to around 70% the last two games. You know, nothing nothing huge, 70 yards, 65 yards, no touchdowns. But, you know, that, 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 that double digits PPR floor seems to have materialized for him. Uh, quick, Cephas is out with the broken collar. Have either of you ever broken a collarbone? No. No, but it looks so painful. It looks like so painful. Anyway, Cephas is out with the collarbone. Um Hawkinson has been not great lately, and the Bengals are fifth overall against tight ends. They've been stingy against tight ends. So 
I mean, I see this game coming up. You know, they haven't been great against receivers. I see passes going through St. Brown and through DeAndre Swift. And I think he's a, I think he's a pretty safe, you know, especially in those leagues where you got three wide receivers or two flex spots um, and it's PPR. He's a, he's, a, he's a safe guy to throw in there to get you double-digit points. I love that call. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been difficult with the Lions. E.J. Hawkinson, he has less than a 20% target share, which I was expecting him to be up, you know, pushing 24, 22% of that targets. Um, it was funny, on, on Sunday morning, I put out a, uh, a Sunday brunch series, and I just picked three guys that you could get off the waiver wire or a free agency on Sunday morning, plug them right into your lineups. I hit on Hunter Henry, uh, hit on Marquez Callaway, and then I threw out Khalif Raymond. Um, <laughs> Raymond. He had had a really nice season up to that point and just had yeah. a show, um, zero points here in, in week five. So it does look like if you want a Lions receiver with Quintus Cephas out, Cephas looked really good these first couple weeks. So that just sucks. Tyrell Williams looks like he's going to miss this contest as well. So St. Brown, man, I was in, I've, I've been in on him for a while, but I think if he's going to do something, it might not be the highest ceiling, but if you want a ninth floor, I'm with you there, Scott. Yep. Same. Scott from, I want to go from your rookie sure thing sleeper of the week to my savvy veteran sure thing sleeper of the week. I'm going to take you up to the, uh, the colder part of New York in Buffalo there with Emmanuel Sanders. Who would have thought we'd be sitting here week five, Emmanuel Sanders has not just outproduced uh, Cole Beasley, and Cole Beasley's become irrelevant for fantasy football these last few weeks, but Stephon Diggs, you know, wide receiver two in my book coming into the season. Emmanuel Sanders right now has more fantasy points, four TDs for Sanders through these five games, 52 yards per game as well. Um, get about 6.2 targets per game. That seems to be increasing over the last few weeks after a little bit of a slow start. Um, last three weeks, guys, Manny Sanders, PPR wide receiver 11. He's been brilliant um, getting those TDs. Like we said, right now he's going up against the Titans this week, which is the most generous team to fantasy wide receivers by a good margin. Um, they've allowed eight TDs to the position so far this week. So almost two, two per game. And also um, just the yardage, man, it's been yardage monsters against everyone they've been going up against. And let's not act like the Titans have had a super tough schedule so far. They've allowed big games from fantasy wide receivers from teams like the Jaguars, from the Colts, from the Jets, teams that you don't necessarily feel like have an alpha wide receiver. So I'm definitely firing up Manny Sanders if I have him this week. And I, I think he has a very high ceiling as well for someone who we consider a sleeper this week. I love that. He's been nothing short of electric. <clears throat> and I love me some Manny Sanders. I mean, he brought helped bring a Super Bowl to my Denver Broncos, but he's an, he's an electric player and he doesn't rely a lot on speed. So as he ages, he's just, he's a shifty route runner and he finds ways to get open. We watched him do it in Denver. He's doing it in Buffalo. He's a perfect kind of wide receiver for Josh Allen. And we're seeing now what he's capable of in this offense. And it's amazing. And I think that he's someone that you need to continue to start, but people aren't doing it. Except, I mean, Seth, because you're Seth and you're smart. I don't. I have I have Cole Beasley everywhere. I don't have Manny Sanders. Oh no! Well, you better go out and get him. I think we. I I think we were all that way, though. Yeah. 
Are, are you guys yeah. dropping Cole Beasley, like sidebar, but are you guys dropping Cole Beasley right now? Or are you holding on to him? Not yet. Probably not. Too good of an he's, offense? I mean, he's, he's had some pretty decent PPR games. He's just been kind of roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, probably, I mean, unless something arises where I really need that spot, but I'm probably not dropping. But yeah, Sanders has been a big surprise this year. I've always, I always forget he started at Pittsburgh. I just picture him with yeah. the contest. Um, but, but yeah, and I mean, Allen's looking for him in the end zone. That's huge, you know. I mean, he's had two two touchdown games, a little fluky, but I mean, at the same time, Allen's looking for him. I wouldn't um, call it fluky. I would say that he's just a gener- in general a good red zone target. He showed yeah, that no, in Denver no, 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 and in San Francisco. That's, that's true, but two multi touchdown games are a true. Fair enough. Fair but enough. at the same time, if I mean, you could average it out to four single touchdown games, and it wouldn't seem the same. But anyway, but I mean, he's shown it. He's been consistent. He's been consistent across every game: the targets, receptions, yards, and then thrown and sprinkling in those touchdowns. So I think it's just you know people see. They just assume he can't still do it because he's been in the league for so long, you know? And, you know, I think name value goes both ways. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't interested in Emmanuel Sanders when the season started at all. I am now, but I wasn't when it started. So, yeah, it's been a great surprise. Nate, who is your sure thing sleeper of the week to round us out? I don't think you guys really have any beaches in Colorado, but you guys have, like, some <laughs> nice lakes, right? Yeah, I mean, and we have some lakes with some minimal. Actually, no, that lake starts in Colorado, bleeds into New Mexico. The beaches are all in New Mexico. Okay. Um, yeah, no, we don't have any beaches, but we go to Mexico all the time. It has beautiful there, beaches. There you go. So there you go. Um, life's a beach. Fantasy football is another B word some days. <laughs> um, so my sleeper of the week, and this is not a name I thought I'd be mentioning this season. While I love his talent, Davis Mills. He's been nothing short of awful most of this season, but then he comes out last week and the dude drops what he had. He's 21 to 29 for 312 yards and three touchdowns against new England against new England team that classically destroys the soul of any rookie quarterback that goes up against them and has been a pretty good defense this season. He was efficient. He got touchdowns. He had the yardage. I was impressed. I was impressed with what Davis Mills did. Now we're going up against an Indianapolis team that averages giving up roughly 25 points a game to the quarterback position. We saw how Lamar Jackson carved them up last night, and I'm not comparing Davis Mills to Lamar Jackson, but the opportunity is there for him to spread the ball out and for him to have another high-scoring game. If you're hurting at quarterback – if you've got, if you need something or someone, let's say that you roster Jimmy Garoppolo and then Trey Lance, and now you've got a bye week and you're just desperate at quarterback. Yeah. Davis Mills is a guy that I'd fire up this week against Indy. I'm not saying you want to roster him all season long, but in this week six matchup against Indy, I think it's a solid play. Yeah, like if you have Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan, let's say in the two yes. league, and yep. you lost Wilson and Ryan's on bye. Yeah, another guy, two last names. I didn't think I'd be talking about him. I'm I'm now excited. I grabbed him in very late in a few rookie drafts. Just like, oh, why not? Uh, right. But yeah, Tennessee, the way you the way the way they um the way you attack Tennessee is through the air. Or sorry, Indianapolis. They've been they've been good against the run, but they have been atrocious against the pass. So, big plays, big plays. I see, it. I, I see yep. it. I see it. We'll see. I mean, it's gonna get it's gonna get desperate out there in the next few weeks for sure. Um, with yeah. Ties, so, yeah, yep. I love that, Nate. I think that's 
definitely in like a two QB super flex league. I think there's some Davis Mills viability for sure. Guys, I do want to move forward to our final uh, segment of the show. We're going to leave the beach behind and we're going to head into some weekly advice. Weekly. guys so the great thing about weekly advice is this is our time we can talk a little bit about fantasy football a little bit about lifestyle advice so guys i'm just gonna get right into it last night after already a story releasing last week last night the new york times they released a story that included quotes from john gruden's emails that were shared with a variety of business partners including bruce allen who was let go by the washington football team last season after some controversy in these emails gruden showed uh, signs of racism, homophobicness, and misogynism. And uh, guys, it was just, you know, if you actually go and read the article, it's pretty, pretty sad to see the things he said, you know. And you know, it was definitely tough for this news to break during Monday Night Football, considering John Gruden was the face of Monday Night Football with, with Jaws for how long. So super disappointing. Um, obviously, Mark Davis, Raiders owner, meets with him. We don't know what happened behind closed doors, but the result of it, is John Gruden resigns. I think it's four years into his 10-year contract, leaves $60 million on the table. We'll talk about the fantasy impact of this, but kind of just want to get your guys' like reaction to this like as a person. I mean, because I'm, I'm bummed out about it. I really like John Gruden. I, I liked his press conferences. I don't know about his coaching all the time, but I really enjoyed his personality. And to, to see the type of person he is, definitely don't want to ever you know see any of his content anymore. So I'm with you. I loved him on ESPN. I loved his analysis. Really enjoyed him as a broadcaster and a personality. Didn't care for his coaching. Didn't understand why he came back to the NFL. And I'm now glad to see him gone. We don't need people like that in professional sports or in any level where they're part of the public eye. Because it gives, if, if he had kept his job, then we're talking about, oh, so that's okay. So this is okay. It's not okay. And he shouldn't be in the league, nor should he be broadcasting anywhere. He quit because he got caught. Don't think that he actually feels bad about it. He didn't show any. His statement was simply in, I'm embarrassed I got caught, and now I have to resign. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking away. There was no remorse in that statement. He doesn't understand. He tried to defend the comments about DeMarie Smith by saying, well, that's just, I, I say people who are liars have flapping lips. That's clearly not what the comment was. So now you're lying to try and make yourself look better. Like, that's not what I meant guys. That's not, we know what you meant. So good riddance. He should be out of the league. And I hope this is a lesson to anybody who thinks this kind of behavior is okay. It's not, you don't get to talk about people like that. When, even if you think it's private, it's not okay. It's not right. Yeah, I mean, Nate, you basically said everything I was going to say. There's just no place for that. But I also, I also want to bring something else up. I've seen, you know, and I mean, I choose, personally, I choose not to, regardless of who, what, where, when, why, when this type of thing comes out. I typically choose not to go public and spew out my thoughts on Twitter. So there's that. But I have seen that going around. That's what Twitter, you know, that happens on Twitter. And I've seen a lot of back and forth about selective rage and 
if this, then this, and blah, 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 blah. And I just want to make it absolutely clear that one does not have to publicly shame every single person that done, has done something wrong to be able to have an opinion about John Gruden, okay? It, it, it honestly has gotten exhausting trying to keep up with how many people end up being douchebags like John Gruden. So just wanted to put that out there. I've seen some of that going around, and I just I don't think if you haven't publicly shamed yourself, every single person that this has happened to doesn't mean you can't speak on John Gruden. It's the same thing that happens in politics with the, well, wait, whoa, what about over here? Hey, look over mm -hmm. here. It's like, no, no, we're talking about this right now. We're not talking about that. We're talking about this. This is a well-known public figure who said awful things about people, um, and he's suffering consequences. Uh, Lindellians put out a great tweet. I agree with it fully. This is not cancel culture. This is consequences. You can't just go to you can't just go to cancel culture anytime somebody gets called out like this, and, and because you say the word cancel culture, that means that it's fine. No, sorry. So anyway, I have feelings about it, and um, the things he said. I mean, it's just I no, there's no place for it. Yeah, hundred percent with you guys on this. I mean. For everyone in the world, we need to be better. Um, and, you know, hats off to the, the folks at the New York Times, the Big J Journalism being done there. I mean, done cover this and get someone out of the league who does not deserve to be in the league. Hats off to them. Guys, from the fantasy football angle of this, obviously, Rich uh, Basaccia. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right because I, I really have not heard it pronounced. I've just read his name. Um, he's, he's a longtime special teams coordinator. Um, in the NFL, he's been with the Ra Raiders since 2018. He's going to be the interim head coach for the rest of the year, it looks like, guys. Um, there's not a lot of information on this guy, what his tendencies are. I mean, he's a special teams coordinator, for crying out loud. But we do know he's a smart coach. He's climbed the ranks um, throughout the college uh, ranks. He, he spent some time in some big FCS schools. So I'm expecting hopefully some good things from Rich what do you guys think? What are you doing with your Raiders players right now? Like if, if we're being honest, I mean, the only Raiders players that in a single QB league that we're really talking about on a consistent basis, it's Darren Waller, it's Josh Jacobs. And if you want to flirt with guys like Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, maybe they're out there. But uh, what are you guys doing with your Raiders players? Because I've already been trying to sell Josh Jacobs. If I had him, I don't have him. But if I am, I'm trying to probably use this as because they have Kenyon Drake there. Kenyon Drake's been brilliant um, in his limited opportunities. I think so, at least in the pass catching game. Where, where are you guys at on the Raiders here? I mean, I'm, you know, it's it's hard to tell. Like, I also have no idea about this, this interim coach. Um, honestly, the only pieces I have personally, and I know that's not necessarily relevant to the people watching, but is uh, Henry Rubs and Hunter Renfro. Those are the only two pieces of the Raiders I really have. I didn't end up with Waller anywhere, and I'm not a Jacobs guy. Um, oh, take that back. I do have Kenyon Drake on too. But I don't think you can do anything but just see what happens. Like, I don't – you know, it's it's one of those weird situations where you can't really sell high. Like, there's not really a sell high opportunity. I mean, maybe with Darren Waller just based on name value, but I don't want to sell Darren Waller. So, for me, it's just – it's hold on and see what happens. I mean, this is – this just happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just happened. So, um, so I mean, 
you know, if, if, if Hunter Renfro potentially was a guy that's out there on waivers that I might have been looking at, maybe I steer towards somebody else just with the uncertainty. But guys already on my team, I'm just keeping them. I'm same as Scott. I'm not doing much different. <clears throat> I don't, like you said, Seth, we're really talking about Waller, Josh Jacobs, maybe Kenyon Drake, maybe Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs. But really, for the most part, in the leagues that most people are playing in, it's Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is already someone most people are trying to move off of. Darren Waller is someone I will never move off of. Not ever. <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't think it changes much. That's I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it changes. I think if anything, we're hoping that by the end of the season, some of these guys have more value and are actually getting used appropriately by the new coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, it, it could swing in Josh Jacobs' favor. He hasn't really got a lot of pass catching love so far, but maybe that changes here um, with the new regime. We'll see what happens, guys. There's really no telling what it's going to be these next couple of weeks. Guys, before we round it out here, I did just want to bring one more thing to light here. Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars mess it has been this season. Obviously, if you guys have been around social media or the sports news of last week, you probably already know this is kind of old news at this point, but we didn't get a chance to touch on it last week. Urban Meyer, after their Thursday night game against the Bengals in Ohio two weeks ago, did not fly back with a team, was caught at a bar on camera. Let's just say he was at his own bar. It's like the Urban Meyer tap room, I think, or something like that in Columbus. Um, and he was caught in a party scene with a, a young lady near him. That's all I'll say. If you want to watch the video, it's out there. There's a couple different angles. Yes. That um, was very diplomatic, Seth. Yes. She was she was adjacent to him. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. And he could have been Santa Claus. Yeah, and, and we're we're hearing it, it's a co-ed to like a, a woman in college, so that's that, that's never great. Regardless of the morals of this, guys, because I mean just they're obviously paying him how much money a year to sit at home and coach and think about football. And I feel like it's kind of almost unethical, not even to fly back with your team in a way. So I, I guess we can, do you guys have any thoughts on, on the, you know, personal side of this before we discuss the fantasy mess that's been Jacksonville? So as you know, I spent the last weekend in Ohio, literally two hours. Out, I flew into Columbus oh. and drove two hours outside of Columbus and in said family reunion on Saturday, there was actually one person who missed the reunion because they haven't missed a game, an Ohio State game in person since 1985. Wow. So this is what this is what Jen's Ohio family, who literally on Saturday were all wearing all red and all Ohio State stuff. The men, the women, the children didn't matter. They all said the same thing. What this is, first of all, classic Urban Meyer. It's not shocking to anybody who's an Ohio State fan and has been privy to what goes on on that campus. Two, what the hell was he doing taking an NFL job? He didn't know what he was doing. He had no business being in the NFL because he doesn't know how to live the NFL life. College is different. You get forgiven for so many sins on a campus because you're winning football games. The NFL is a completely different beast. Yeah. Good point. Good point, Nate. Definitely two different atmospheres. Yeah, and, I mean, you, and you don't leave your team behind on a Sunday after a game. Yeah, I mean, that, that it just was bizarre all the way around. I mean, I've always kind of thought Urban Meyer is a slimy weirdo, and so that hasn't really changed after all of this. But just some of those things that are, I mean, the, you know, the getting familiar with a co-ed 
aside, which that's not something to ignore. I mean, he's got a wife and so do I, and I, I don't, I don't do that, but you know, the, the other side of it too, like staying behind and not flying back with your team after getting beat to go zero and five. I mean, he just, it's just been, it's been just kind of a nightmare with him ever since he took that job at that, at that, um, with the, with the Jaguars and Nate, you've been, you've been, You've been banging, the, ringing the bell on this for a while now. Yeah, yeah. Um, me personally, I was like, well, let's see. But yeah, I think I've seen enough. Um, I don't think he has any idea what he's doing. Um, He'll be and just as, as a person. He's just, uh, I don't know, slimy weirdo. Yeah. I think one of the things for me was when he retired for health concerns and then the Ohio State job opened up and he was like on it. And he took the job like that. Oh, wait, my dream. I don't know, man. Something like you said, Scott, something about that dude is slimy. You know, being, being a younger person, not really knowing Urban Meyer until his days at Florida with Tim Tebow. I definitely it, like some of this is more news to me, I guess. Honestly, I, I, I've known him as just a coach of, of great teams and a Fox sports analyst that I really admired as well. So, so it's definitely disappointing in, in that aspect. And, I think it translates almost directly to this Jaguars team when it comes to fantasy football. Like realistically, I mean, in two quarterback league, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be fine to roster. He's going to have somewhere around, you know, 16 to 22 points a game. But I think outside of him, like LaVisca, you can flex him if, if you dare. Same with Marvin Jones. But I mean, James Robinson's the guy to have. And outside of that, I don't, I don't want any of these guys. Yeah. I mean, I said something similar today. I mean, you know, once once there was a game where Jamal Agnew out-targeted LaVisca Chenault, I can't start Chenault anymore. Like, how – you know, I started well, – the to, on, too. There was, there was the one week where he had 99 yards. I did start him that week, and that felt pretty good. But other than that, it's been – you look at your fantasy score, and he's got one or two points. And I just – I don't have any trust that that's going to change, or if it does, if it's going to be – in anyway consistent enough for me to be confident in starting him at all james robinson is the is the diamond in the rough there i was wrong on i mean etn got hurt but still james robinson has looked fantastic um in a less than ideal you know atmosphere there okay. in jacksonville um and good point trevor lawrence you know in a two qb league i'm i'm still i'm still rolling him out there as my qb2 um but other than that i just i mean it's just too big, too big of a mess. Yep. It's just too big of a mess. Yep. You can't trust any of these guys. Well, and I'm starting to be concerned with what Nate, some of the things Nate brought up. It's like worried about like, unless Urban is out of there soon, it's going potentially going to curb or ruin someone like Lavisca Chenault's career. Yep. Or at least start him off, you know, way behind where he would have been. But Trevor Lawrence too. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. started, you started you started you started rookie kids seeing ghosts that early in their career. Look at Sam Darnold. It took him getting out of New York and actually getting an offensive line and weapons to be able to do anything. I mean, we could be looking at a situation where if Urban Meyer hangs out for too long there, if they give him a second season, which I don't even think he finishes this season, but we're talking about Trevor Lawrence needing to be saved. Yeah. Guys, we will see how it plays out down here in Jacksonville throughout the season. We're, we're monitoring this situation. We're monitoring the Las Vegas situation as well. Um, if you want to keep up with us, we're on the Twitter bird. I'm at between underscore Seth FF. Nate is at Janate Jack FF. 
And of course, Scott's at Munder Difflin FF. Um, a lot of FFs going around. If you guys want to follow the show, it's at IDT underscore media. Guys, we got columns coming out, YouTube series, podcast, short video clips, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you guys are, we're there, man. Um, we're going to keep bringing you the, the feel good, the, the fantasy advice throughout the, the rest of the season. Nate, Scott, thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you so much for everything you guys do. We appreciate it and we'll see you soon. See you next week, buddy. Have a good week six. The In-Between Fantasy Football Podcast. The one thing that you know really sets us apart here is, is we're not afraid to talk about other things that maybe aren't super fantasy